It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States. And it is a great privilege and honor to uh, do the show. We're on every Saturday afternoon between 1 and 2 p.m. And just as a heads up, I will, 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 will be taking your calls at the end of the show. I know I promised that. Last week, and we ran out of time, but I promise, <laughs> I promise I will not run out of time this time because I've got a great uh, topic I want to ask you, my listeners, about because you are the smarter listenership, smartest listenership of any radio station in America. You got to be smart if you're listening to WABC. So thank you for joining. Uh, boy, what is it today? Uh, 10, was it nine, 10 days before Christmas? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. Um, Get out there and get those gifts. Uh, get it done. Don't wait till the last minute. This, I think, is like one of the probably the busiest shopping weekends of the year. I've done almost none of my Christmas shopping. So as soon as the show is over, I'm out of here. I'm to the mall. I was thinking of going to the mall, but I don't even know if I can get a parking space at the mall. So we'll see. I may have to go online and buy things and hope that they are delivered before uh, Christmas comes. Um, so uh, I hope everybody's having a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. I mean, the next, this upcoming week is like the best week of the year. It's just a joyful, joyful time for America. And I hope you're enjoying it and um, spread some joy. Um, so I want to talk about a couple. Oh, let me get to this first. I will take your calls at the end because I've, I'm doing this poll. I've polled several hundred people already and I want to get your all view on this. And it's kind of a fun one. Uh, and this question is this. It's a two part question. Who do you think is the most overrated political figure uh, in history? And who do you think is the most underrated political figure in history? So think about that. Who do you think is the most overrated? And who do you think is the most underrated? And it could be someone still living. It could go back to, you know, in time, uh, you know, from the uh, all, all, you know, from the time that uh, we started recording history in this in this uh, world. And who do you think it is? And I, I've gotten so many, I'm not going to tell you yet, who has come out first among, you know, my friends and colleagues and who in terms of the, you know, the most overrated and the most underrated. Uh, but I've gotten so many interesting answers and I'm going to go through that, but I'm going to take your calls and we're going to do speed because I want to get as many people in. I want to try to get about 15 or 20 people in with their opinion um, about uh, who is overrated and underrated and it should be a political figure. It doesn't have to be someone in politics, but someone who is uh, celebrated as a celebrity and has a voice in political matters. Um, so that should be fun. Who is the most and who is the least, uh, who is the most overrated and the most underrated figure in history. But before we go to that, I want to talk for just a few minutes in this opening, opening segment about the fact that uh, the COP28 uh that's COP28 is that crazy climate change conference they had in the Middle East. Uh, I don't even know how, went, how long it went on, maybe 10 days. I don't know. 80,000 people were reported to have gone to that, flying in on many of them on their private planes, eating caviar, drinking champagne, and talking about how much they care about the planet and saving the planet. And um, 
I think the whole thing's a fraud. I'm just going to come out and say it. I think the whole thing is just a fraud. It's a way for government to dictate your life. They want to control your thermostat. They want to control what car you drive. They want to control the whether you have gas heat and gas um, stoves in your house. They want to uh, take away your air conditioner. They want to stop you from eating meat. These people are tyrants. These people uh, want to dictate every single aspect of your life, and they want to take away your energy. I mentioned last week on the show that under the Biden plan, uh, in the next 10 years, 60% of our electric power would go away. 60%. That's all the power that we get from natural gas because they hate natural gas. I, by the way, somebody's got to explain to me why they hate natural gas because natural gas is a clean burning fuel. It actually reduces carbon emissions. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't increase. And it's the reason the United States has been number one in the world, uh, in not, um, in, in reducing our, uh, our, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And so, uh, this thing was just a fraud and it was basically a lot of people, um, kowtowing and basically saying how much they care about the planet. And yet they're not doing anything about it. In fact, you know, one of my favorite humorists of all time was the great PJ O'Rourke. And I've mentioned this before on the show, but I want to repeat it because there's so much wisdom in this little quip that he used to have. By the way, PJ died, I think a year or two ago. Uh, uh, God rest his soul. He was a very funny guy. And, and I knew him personally. He was a wonderful, wonderful person. And he used to say, he said, at the beginning of one of his books, he said, you know, the problem in America today is that everybody wants to save the world, but nobody wants to uh, wash the dishes. Everybody wants to save the world, but nobody wants to wash the dishes. And isn't that true? You know, oh, they pick it in the streets and they say no more fossil fuels. But what do they do about reducing their own pollution? What about keeping the uh, planet clean and our streets clean? You know, San Francisco is you know, the epicenter of the climate change movement and people are pooping in the middle of the streets. I mean, come on, <laughs> let's start at home, you know, um, and let's start with cleaning up your room, cleaning up your yard, cleaning, stopping the pollution. Don't litter. Those things will do so much more for the planet than going out on the streets and telling people they can't have a gas stove. And I think this is, I really believe this is a sinister movement. It is not about science. It doesn't, this doesn't have anything to do about science. This is about a religion for the left. And they, they jump from one apocalyptic vision to another. For those of you who are, uh, over the age of 60, I'm 63. You will remember when they talked about the population bomb. Remember that one? Oh my God, we're going to be overrun by people. And, you know, people are going to be standing shoulder to shoulder on the planet because we're, you know, uh, our fertility rates are so high that we're going to be uh, like uh, reproducing like, you know, field mice. And of course, none of that happened. They said we were running out of energy. We're not running out of energy. We have so much energy. We could keep even with current technology, we could run this, uh, the world, uh, you know, for a thousand years. So we're not running out of energy. We're not running. Remember food? We're running out of food. We're running out of, uh, oh, one hilarious one is they said that we're running out of farmland. Um, no, we're not running out of farmland. Every, every single apocalyptic prediction has been wrong, wrong, wrong. And they just jump from one to another, to another, to another, to another. Uh, this latest thing, now they're saying, um, I, I love this, PwC, uh, Price Waterhouse uh, Cooper, which is one of the uh, biggest um, 
one of the four biggest uh, accounting firms in the country, in the world, I believe. Um, they've they have this new policy that says that um, their executives and their employees cannot uh, fly business class or first class. Now, I, you know, maybe they want to save money, and that's fine. It's a free country; they can have whatever policy they want to. But they're saying that the, I'm not making this up. They're saying that by having not allowing their executives to go in first class or uh, in uh, business class, uh, that this is going to reduce carbon emissions. Huh? I mean, no, maybe not flying at all because planes do emit a lot of carbon. So why don't they take boats? You know, I mean, if they're so dedicated to uh, to saving the planet, but this is just virtue signaling. And another one of my favorite uh, sayings uh, of late was by my great friend and the great scholar, Bill Bennett, William Bennett. Many of you remember he was the education secretary way back for Ronald Reagan. And he had a quote the other day where he said, you know, the problem with America today is there's way too much virtue signaling and there's way too little virtue. <laughs> and, you know, isn't that the truth? Isn't Everybody's talking about how what they want to do and trying to signal, you know, their uh uh, their holiness, but they're not actually going out and doing things that, that, that helps people. So, um, I'm, I, I, we spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on this idiotic COP28 climate change conference and they accomplished nothing. We have spent over 280 billion with a B billion dollars over the last 30 years on climate change. And guess what? The amount of carbon globally is higher than ever before and we're using more. Uh, fossil fuels at the, than ever before. And why is that? Because those are efficient ways to get electric power. So um, let's just bring this whole crazy climate change thing to an end. And by the way, of course, the climate is changing. Yes, it is. Yes, the climate is changing. Uh, what I'm here to tell you is none of these crazy things the left is doing uh, is going to do anything about changing the planet. I mean, these people, who, these are the people who can't fix the potholes. They can't balance the budget. They can't secure the border. They can't creep crime, crime off the street. They can't, governments can't do anything right. They can't control inflation. And they're here to tell us they're going to change the planet's temperature. I mean, is that the looniest thing you've ever heard? So uh, I'm here to tell you it is time to put an end to the charade of climate change. It's a religion. It's not a science. I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not, I'm not a scientist at all. But I'm here to tell you there are a lot of opinions about what's going on here with the sun and the wind and all of these things. Nobody really knows the answer to these to these uh, physical questions. But um, government is going to solve it? No. Government will not solve it. Technology will. All right. So I am going to take a break now. This is the More Money Show. Uh, we're on every Saturday afternoon from 1 to 2 p.m. Don't forget, by the way, please, please, please go to committeedunleashedprosperity.com. Right, you know, right now or later today, committeedunleashedprosperity.com and sign up for our free, 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 free uh, um hotline which we we email out every morning. It's free. If you don't like it, you can just unsubscribe to it. I think you will like it. It's very popular and you can read it in five minutes every morning. And it's a little, you know, a little humor, a little uh, political uh, news, a little economic news. And uh, if you want to be the smartest in the per person in the room, get the Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, uh, hotline at uh, uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity dot com. So uh, I'll be right back. We will. Uh, our next sec segment will be with. Um, with uh, Ryan and Bob Payne to talk about the financial markets. I'm Seymour. This is the More Money Show. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. 
Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. New York's news and talk station. Download the 77 WABC mobile app now. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. Now I get to my favorite segment of the show when we talk to two of the financial experts in this country, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, thanks for joining as always. Uh, Bob, uh, we missed you uh, last week, so I want to start with you. Uh, The Fed made a pretty uh, important announcement uh, earlier this week, basically saying they will keep interest rates where they are, but they hinted that they may be cutting rates next week, although one of the Fed governors said today, well, maybe we're not going to raise you know, lower rates. So Lord knows what the Fed is up to. But I wanted your thoughts about what the Fed is doing and what they should be doing. Well, first of all, the, um, the Federal Reserve does publish the SEP report, right, the Summary of Economic Projections. And right in Black and white, Steve, we see that they expect the Fed funds rate to fall to 4.6% rather than 5.1%. So basically they've announced they're going to do at least two cuts. So our listeners understand. So right now the Fed funds rate is at, what, 5.1, did you say? 5.1%. Okay. And And they're hinting that they will cut that down to 4.6. Now that would be over the next year or over how long a period? That would be over over the next year. Now, remember, this is the same Fed that's been – saying higher for longer, and suddenly yeah. that's no longer the, the narrative. So right. you know, the, the market looks forward and anticipated that, and that's why the bond market's been flying higher and the stock market hit an all-time record high this week. So uh, do you approve of the Fed decision? I think uh, I think they finally – I think, you know what, Steve? They listen to more money every week. It's obvious. <laughs> uh, we've been telling them. <laughs> I know they do. <laughs> they're, they're taking yep. our advice. So I think that uh, – so, Ryan, um, you know, you've been super bullish, and you've been right. We've got all-time highs on the market. Congratulations. And so people listen to you over the last few years. You've made a lot of money. That's why you're in business. And I know you uh, you learned everything from your, your old man. So um, <laughs> one thing that concerns me, and I wrote a column on this this week, and I'd like your reaction to it, is I'm worried that the Fed is uh, too tied to this idea of the Phillips curve, which is that, you know, if you have too many people working, too much economic activity, that's going to cause inflation. And I've never really seen that to be correct. And, and I call this kind of growth phobia at the Fed. Uh, what, is your, what are your thoughts about that? Are they afraid of growth or are they just trying to nurture it? Um, I think they realize they probably won here on the inflation front uh, because we've uh-huh. seen inflation go from 9% down to closer to 3%. Yeah. So I, I think they want the soft landing too. I, I, I've said this before. I think the Fed wants to win. Um, and I think they appreciate the fact that we do have a strong labor market. They don't want to derail that. Um, right. And to your point, I agree with you, more people working and we're going to see huge productivity gains going into the next couple of years, which with more right. efficiency... That's great for right. company margins. It's great for the economy. It means growth with lower inflation, which is kind of that magical Goldilocks type of economy you want to, you want to see. So we think that productivity is going to stay strong. And I think the Fed has gotten dovish at the right time because 
again, if you don't have 9% inflation anymore, why are you keeping the Fed's fund rate so high? <laughs> so so uh, I, I think they're, I think they're in tune yeah. with what you're saying. Okay. So Bob, um, I, uh, I, uh, I like to look at the, um, what's called the CRB index, the commodities index, to see where inflation is headed. I, I've always believed that's about the best forward-looking indicator, and it's real-time, so you can find out in every two minutes what's happening in the prices. Uh, and if, as I look at the CRB index, you know, it, it actually it hit a high of about 360 back, uh, you know, six, nine months ago, uh, and now it's down below 300. And I kind of put 300 as price stability. So if anything, the CRB index is now saying we may be headed into a slight deflation. And I wonder what you uh, think about that. Well, I think uh, there's nothing more frightening for a Federal Reserve governor than to hear that word. You know, that's uh, right. the R right. word is bad, but deflation is something they really fear. I think that's it's one of the reasons the why. Yeah. Oh, it's awful for the economy, but yeah. you know we've ha- we've got a lot of deflationary things happening right now, Steve. The price yeah. of oil, which spiked to one hundred and thirty dollars a barrel when Russia yeah. invaded the Ukraine, you know, was under seventy dollars a barrel this week. Um, that's a right. tax cut for the entire globe. It I really mean, that's is. That's really bullish. Um, so, and you also Ryan, have rate inflation yeah. coming down, so inflation is definitely coming down. So great points, and Ryan. Um, you know, it's so interesting that so many of your colleagues in your line of business of, of, of <laughs> investment managing, you know, they just don't like good news. <laughs> you know, they, they just won't take it. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, I keep hearing all the time uh, with, you know, present uh, company excluded, you know, well, gosh, the recession's around the corner. <laughs> and of course, they've been saying that, you know, for now uh, 18 months. Uh, and if any, I mean, in fact, the latest um, indicator on uh, GDP growth from the uh, uh, Fed, Fed uh, Federal Reserve's um, GDP now, I think, is over back over two percent. You know, now that's still not great, but it's it's uh, certainly not a recession. What do you do? You think we're going to have a recession in two thousand twenty four? No, I don't. I think I think growth will continue. Um, and it is fun and funny because you and I have been on Fox Business, and the job numbers yeah. come out, and they've, they've been strong. And we're saying, hey, that's pretty strong. And you have all these other naysayers on there saying, well, there's something yeah. wrong with this job job number. There's something wrong with yeah, right. low unemployment. Historically, yeah, right. but we're like, what do you mean? <laughs> Can we celebrate yeah. for five seconds here? So, so I yeah. think that's that's exactly right. I think going to next year, um, you're already seeing that with that. The quarterly growth should be good again. Uh, this up, this quarter that we're in right now, we think next year, you know, you're going to see slowing growth. But that's what the Fed wanted, right? They wanted to slow the economy but not push it off the cliff. So we think we'll have modest uh, economic growth next year because, again, you have strong employment. People probably will continue to spend money because they have money in their pocket, and that's combined with the fact that inflation is starting to moderate. That's that magic combination we've been looking for, and that's exactly what we're looking. That's what's starting to happen. It's actually coming to fruition. Yeah. So we've got about 90 seconds left. Uh, I'm talking to uh, two of the great financial minds in uh, the business, and that is Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. So on the way out, um, Bob, uh, I'll start with you because uh, you've been in this business many decades. Uh, now everybody's not not everybody, but a lot of people saying sell sell the gains, sell the gains, get out now while the market's on top. What do you say to that? You know, Steve, one of the one of the concerns I have is that uh, you know the government's revenues are down, and 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 the reason it's down is because back when COVID hit, people panicked out of the market, right. took their capital gains. It paid the IRS, you know, the bounty that you have to pay when you sell your investment. Right. So I don't believe you should sell this rally. I think this is just the beginning of a big booming bull market. 
Uh, I said I said a couple of weeks ago that we'd see forty thousand before we saw thirty thousand again. I think I think we're going to see fifty thousand uh, in the uh, next I'm two put years. You on the spot. What, when are we going to hit forty? <laughs> uh, pretty soon, Steve. Uh, sometime next year, because next year, twenty twenty four is going to be a good year. We're, we're already seeing yeah. good earnings. We're seeing good earnings projections and uh, great revenue growth. All right, uh, Ryan. In our last uh, forty five seconds, um, how about? Let's shoot for the moon. Are we going to see Dow 50,000? <laughs> wow. Uh, maybe in our well, lifetime. I mean, when you get 37,000, that's, that's only what about a, that's a, that would be what a 25% rise. But, yeah. um, you know, we've seen those kind of rallies. I think the next, I'll, I'll give the next five, maybe the next five to 10 years. How's that for projection? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm right. optimistic, but I'm not that optimistic. All right. I, look, we got to, we just have to end on that because it's Christmas uh, season and we want to end on optimism. You guys have been, Mostly right uh, on all of this stuff for the last two years, which is why we have you on every week. That was Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Christmas season, and we'll be right back. Hey, if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, Bob and Ryan, your optimism is contagious. We get it. The world doesn't end very often. I need to plan for my retirement. I've got to get serious about it. Markets are moving. I've got to make some decisions. Well, here's your shot to do it. We keep 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll leave out no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. We go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We give you a bird's eye view of your whole financial life, and we just hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's that income plan for retirement. How are you going to draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it one right way for you. How do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. Well, we're going to put together a full dynamic income plan, show you how to draw from your portfolio without running out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile the last two years. Has your portfolio been up and down like a yo-yo? Or have you just been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do? We'll put together a full investment game plan. We're going to tie it to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you. High cost, tax inefficient, fee-laden products, whether it's an annuity, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products. Bob and I do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce the cost on all of your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's now what you make. It's what you take. You'll get a full tax playbook. We have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But in this environment, you need a plan, and you won't have yours unless you text or call right now, 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC, 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. You have offices here in the city outside Philadelphia and Jacksonville, Florida. We spent a lot of time making sure that people are very happy with the advice they're getting. 
So I thought we could talk in the spirit of the holidays here, just like Santa Claus makes that list, he checks it twice. Let's discuss if your financial advisor or planner has been, I would say, naughty or nice this year. You know, Ry, I don't think it's really worried about being naughty or nice. How about competent? You know, you want it, it, <laughs> there's not a high hurdle to hang out a shingle and call yourself a financial advisor. So you want to make sure that you have more than just a investment salesperson. You know, perhaps a certified financial planner makes more sense when you're putting together your financial plan. Yeah, that word CFP is very, very critical um, to have that that type of license because a lot of times you'll have someone who sells insurance. They call themselves a financial planner, but they really just want to sell you insurance, Bob. I know it's shocking, but <laughs> it, a lot of our industry is professionals just pushing products on you. So you got to be really careful about that. And to have that kind of license or have that certification uh, makes a big difference because at the end of the day, when it comes to your financial life, you want someone who's giving you planning advice, not just picking products for your portfolio, which comes what we call that a collection of investments. That's not the right way to build a solid retirement plan. You know, Ryan, I love bull markets. You know, I always say bull markets are way more fun than bear markets, but they're also very dangerous because you'll get a statement next month and you'll see that your portfolio's up. But, you know, Planning is not about making money. That's not a goal, right? You need to know why you have to make money, right? And, and, and you need to know what do you own and why do you own it? Um, and that's what planning is about because otherwise, you know, if you just see your portfolio up, you may be invested in something that's doing really well right now, but it's not going to allow you to hit the financial goals, which is really what investing is all about. Yeah, and here's a good time to look at it because the market does, has done well this year and your portfolio might be up big, but I always think about, well, what could go wrong, right? We had 2022, the year prior, things were awful. <laughs> and so I think when you think about risk management and making sure you have the right portfolio, do it when the wind's at your back. You don't want to do it when the market's tumbling 20%, everyone's panicking. That's not the time to reevaluate everything. Do it now. You know, it's been a good year in the stock market. Uh, maybe you have the right allocation, maybe you don't. But if you're getting close to retirement and retired now, you have to start thinking about that risk management. And you always want to do that proactively, not reactively. So you really got to question, am I getting advice about the risk in my portfolio? Is that tied to my goals? And I would argue in a lot of cases that probably not. And this is the time to get on it. Don't waste time before it's too late. Yeah, I have to agree, Ryan. I think that, uh, you know, I've done a lot of consulting in the industry, done a lot of surveys. And the number one reason why someone no longer works with an advisor is because they never heard from that person. So if you don't have an advisor that calls you every quarter, that checks on you personally, right, that reviews your portfolio and proactively discusses, mm -hmm. you know, for example, you know, when rates were coming down, did you refinance your mortgage, right? You want an advisor who's a planner, not a planner who pretends to be a planner who's a salesperson. <laughs> That's true. Because the other big one is maybe you sat down with a financial planner years ago and they ran some financial projections for you. And guess what? That was the last time they ever did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, things obviously have changed in your life and things change a lot along the way. We always say this, look, you typically get a health physical at least once a year, get a checkup, see what's changed, see what adjustments you have to make. Because obviously, you know, whatever, whatever age you are today, whether it was five years ago, 10 years ago, you have a lot of different needs. Your body's changed and you have a lot of different uh, tests and things that have to be run to make sure you're in shape. The same thing with your portfolio. 
as you're getting close to, re- to retirement, if you're retired now, you need a different portfolio, you need adjustments for when you start living off your portfolio versus when you're just putting the money away. And then it has to be readjusted over time. By a minimum of every 12 months, you really have to run those retirement projections. And I'm betting a lot of you haven't done that. And it's a big problem. You know, risk, right? There's something that I always say that risk is only something that's recognized in hindsight. And regardless of the size of your portfolio, regardless of your net worth or your stage in life, every single one of you right now has the same gigantic risk. And that's that insidious hidden tax we call inflation. Now, everybody's excited this week, right? The inflation rate's coming down, but it's jumped dramatically. The cost of living's going up dramatically. You know, some things are coming down in price, but have you checked your insurance policies lately? Do you take your look what's happening with your taxes? What's going to happen going forward? So you need to understand that you have an income plan, but an income plan that's, that's insulated from that insidious hidden tax, which has gone up dramatically in the last couple of years. And it's only going down in terms of its increases. It's not going back to where we were. No, and the scary rule of thumb there is your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. So whatever you need today monthly, whether it's $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month, will double that over the next 20 years. And I would argue most of your plans, your income plans, aren't factoring in inflation. You've got to have some sort of dynamic income plan. You've really got to plan for living longer and needing more money. And most of us don't run that in our portfolio. So you got to make sure when you do those income projections, you're factoring in your cost of living is going up dramatically. And man, oh man, we just lived through a very dramatic readjustment and what everything costs. And to your point, Bob, that's not going away. Now, and I'll tell you what, Ry, you need to be certain that you have an advisor that's advising you on how to invest your portfolio based on your goals, not on their goals or their personal prejudice. Uh, we just helped the client who didn't own one single bond in their portfolio because their former advisor didn't believe in investing in bonds. So here's someone who's in retirement, right, with a portfolio that's 100% at risk to decline. (laughs) The only thing you should be thinking about right now is if you're close to retirement or retired now is, am I managing the risk? Am I managing the risk? That's all that matters. It's because it's not about getting all the upside. It's about protecting yourself against the downside because you're going to be living off that portfolio and if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, I had a good year this year, but I have no idea what the risk is in my portfolio. I have no idea if I have an income plan for retirement, if I'm factoring in inflation. Well, here's your shot to do it. We still have five slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for your total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. We're just going to hone in on every issue you need to address today. You need that income plan for retirement. you got to figure out how do you draw from your portfolio with the most tax efficient manner, how to take Social Security the most optimal way for you. There's lots of ways to take it one right way for you. And factoring in inflation, your costs are going to double. We're going to build that dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been insane the last two years. Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo, not really going anywhere? Or have you been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan. We're going to tie it to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high-cost, tax-inefficient products. You know those annuities, insurance products, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products. 
Bob and I will do a deep dive of every investment you own. We're going to show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We literally have five slots left to have this plan run. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you only have five openings left, and you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, our team of financial advisors, and more importantly, certified financial planners, will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no strings attached. No other firm on the street will do this work for you up front, but you won't have a plan unless you text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Talk Radio 77, this is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, the three major U.S. indices notched their seventh consecutive week of gains as the 10-year Treasury yield made its largest decline since November of 2022. For the week, the Dow rose 3%. The S&P 500 was up 2.5%, and the NASDAQ rose 2.8%, a seven-week winning streak. All three indices have made double-digit gains since hitting their lows in late October. And as good as those results were for the major averages, the stars of the show this week were small to mid-sized stocks that rose a whopping 5% on the week. Now, the rally comes as the FOMC, the Federal Reserve Open Mouth Committee's shrieking hawks, have turned into cooing doves, implying that it may cut short-term interest rates next year. Inflation is moderating, the economy is growing, and rates are dropping. The Goldilocks scenario I described to you last week on this very update. A perfect combination for your stock and bond portfolio. Warren Buffett's mentor, Benjamin Graham, once so famously said, in the short run, the market is a voting machine. But in the long run, it is a weighing machine. And this year has been a textbook example. During the fall, investors voted with their emotions as the market suffered a classic bull market 10% correction. And what is the market weighing now? Earnings, of course. Earnings rose to an all-time record high in the third quarter and is the major reason the Dow is sitting at an all-time record high of over 37000 Always keep in mind, stocks are the slaves of earnings. And the good news is forward earnings estimates rose to another record high this week, suggesting the same for fourth quarter earnings. So stop voting and keep weighing with a growing economy moderating inflation, lower interest rates, and new record high earnings, the scales are tipped in your favor. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 75 years of combined industry experience in building tax-efficient, goal-based, low-cost portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844 844- Plan NYC. That's 844 P L A N 
NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist of Payne Capital Management. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks. This is is more money. This is Steve Moore. We're live. And I will be taking your calls at the uh, in about 10 minutes. Uh, the question of the day is this. Who is the most who, in your opinion, is the most overrated political figure in history and who is the most underrated political figure in history? And I want uh, uh, an answer to both of those. And I'm going to try to get as, through as many calls as possible on that. It's an interesting question. I can't wait to hear your answer. So to call in, it's the More Money Hotline, folks. It's the More Money Hotline. And that number is 1-800-848-9222 or 1-800-848-WABC. I'm going to give that one more time because I want to hear from as many as you as I possibly can. I really value your opinion and insights. one 800 Eight four eight nine two 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 to uh, to tell me who you think is the most over and underrated figure in political history. Right now, though, we've got some time, and I want to talk to a great friend and a great scholar and a man who was appointed by uh, uh, Donald J. Trump when he was president to be the ambassador of Bermuda. He, he served as the general counsel in Bermuda. Not a bad job, right, to be over there in that wonderful Caribbean island. Uh, he is also a scholar, and he's done a lot of work on the energy issue. And first of all, Lee, thanks so much for joining this afternoon. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be with you and your audience. Uh, well, you're you're awesome. You and I have written stuff together. Uh, you've got a great piece that I, as soon as I saw it, I said, I got to get Lee Rizzuto on our show because you had a fantastic piece that you wrote with uh, Alfredo Ortiz, who runs Job Creators Network and is also, by the way, a regular on this show. And it's fascinating because at the beginning of the show, Lee, I was telling my audience that I think a lot of this climate change uh, stuff is so dangerous to our economy and our jobs and, uh, you know, keeping the lights on and, and to our national security. And you made a really interesting point that I had not really thought about is that in some ways, this war on American fossil fuels and the, the uh, attacks against drilling in America are actually bad for the environment, too. So can you explain the logic of that and how you came to this conclusion? Absolutely, Steve. This uh, came about through just uh, curiosity of mine, because this is not uh, the particular area of expertise that I have. However, I did this research. Yep. And what the research uh, identified really uh, was uh, profound. Profound mm -hmm. in as far as taking a look at the, the raw numbers. In the U.S., uh, since Biden, we import 8.5 billion barrels of oil per day. Yeah. And in studying, <laughs> in yes, yes. And in studying those imports and the way they come to us through the tanker right. ships, what was identified is the tremendous amount of pollution the tanker ships cause, in addition to the amount of fuel they have to burn to deliver the oil to the U.S. So, as example, a ship from Saudi Arabia to New York. Yep. 
is uh, burns approximately a million gallons plus of fuel just to deliver the oil. Uh, wait, a million gallons? Yeah, so it's simple math. Oh, my God. These, these, <laughs> these, these ships burn on average of 2,600 to 25 gallons per hour. The voyage is a 380-hour-plus right. voyage at 17 God. miles an hour. So right. simple math, it's uh, a million gallons one way. Jeez, Don't forget, the ship amazing. has to go back. So how many cars would that be the equivalent of? I mean, God, I can't even imagine. Uh, you know, that, the, that's uh, just – so that's one ship. So these ships, you could say, on some are more, some are less, the size of the tanker ships, but on yeah. average, about two hundred thousand uh, barrels uh, per ship, and we yeah. need eight and a half million barrels per day is what we're importing. Yeah. Right. So and not to say all the ships come from Saudi Arabia, but if you did an average of uh, mm-hmm. just Saudi, but then you, you look at the rest of the world that we're importing from. You know, we have uh, – it could be 20 ships per day, 30 ships per day, 40 yeah, ships per yeah. day. Yep. And with using the Saudi number, a million gallons one way. But in addition to that, these ships burn the worst crude fuel ah, there is. Right, the like dirtiest. To, right, they're not going to Exxon on the corner and yeah. getting unleaded fuel like we <laughs> right. have in the <laughs> They're, they're burning bunker oil, which produces over 58,000 pounds of carbon emissions per hour. <laughs> oh, my God. So, again, you do the math, it's 22 million pounds per ship uh, coming in from Saudi. So this so is the yeah. The, the bottom line then is that there's a lot of pollution that is being emitted into the atmosphere and greenhouse gases. By these ships, and we wouldn't have to use these ships uh, if we were just drilling here at home. We could just transport the oil and gas by pipelines, right? Correct, and that—that's the right. sad part because the the uh, this fuel is right under our feet, and yes. instead we're, we're we're creating this catastrophic uh, pollution, ah. you know, uh, uh, on a scale unimaginable. To the point, uh, there's a number, Steve, that I'd like to share with you and your audience. Yep, that most people have no clue about. If you take all the cars in the world, which is estimated to be 750 million cars, all of the cars combined, the pollution equals less than 10% of the total pollution of the tanker and container ships. Jeez. So oh even geez, if you had incredible. a magic wand, if you had a magic wand and you said tonight all the cars are electric, okay, they're all electric, but now you only solve 10% of the problem. Why are we not concentrating on 90% of the problem where all the pollution yeah. is really coming from? So, by the way, I just want to uh, alert my listeners that you can go to the com website and you can see this article uh, and the numbers that, um, that Lee is talking about. I'm talking to Lee Rizzuto, who's former... Um, was was nominated to be the ambassador to Bermuda, but served over there as the general counsel and uh, an expert on these on these numbers. And so, go to the, the article is called uh, "Shutting Down U.S. Oil and Gas Is an Environmental Disaster." Uh, and so, you know, some of your numbers in here are just so staggering uh, about the amount of pollution that are is being emitted. You know, you say here one large container ship emits the same amount of sulfur oxide as 50 million cars. Is that could that be true? Really? 
That, that's correct, Steve. And in oh fact, my God. The, com- the company, fifty million Mask, cars. Which, yeah, the company Mask, the shipment company, they have ten of those ships. Oh my so God! So each ship putting out the, the pollution of fifty million cars. Actually, I believe I'm, I'm to be correct. I believe they have fifteen of the ships. So yeah. it, it's just a, a, a tremendous issue that really we should be paying closer attention to and putting our focus on how do we correct the environmental soundness of these ships versus beating up, you know, the uh, automa- automobile manufacturers and people that have a gas stove in New York that they, they want yeah. to villainize. So uh, the you mentioned the fact that we have so much of this energy, as you said, right below our feet. You know, by my estimates, we have, and not, not just by my estimates, by, by the estimates of the experts who I've tracked down, they say that we have about 500 years worth of coal, uh, about 300 years worth of natural gas, and at least 250 years of oil at current consumption levels and at current uh, technology levels. So we could, I think the point of this, what I, my takeaway from your article, Lee, is we could just be drilling for this here at home. We wouldn't have to import it. We wouldn't have to have all the pollution created by the ships. But then also, I mean, think, Lee, about the impact of this on our national security. I mean, think think about the tens of billions of dollars we've sent to Iran. Yes, that, that's uh, that's unfortunate. We're, we're empowering our, our adversaries yeah. yes. while yep. weakening our, our own, you know, uh, Americans and American businesses yeah. and even partners up in Canada. And while all, all this, you know, gold is under our feet. Yeah, it's it's like you have a big treasure chest with trillions of dollars in it. And the the left is saying, oh, no, let's not dig it up. Let's keep it in the ground. And uh, by the way, the same is true of our minerals, too. You know, the, the interesting part of the story, as you know, Lee, is that we you need precious minerals. Uh, you need, you know, all sorts of metals to to even use green energy. We have those, you know, we have more minerals than any other country in the world, practically. I mean, America is so endowed with resources, especially in the mountains out west. And again, the Biden administration will not allow us to go after those. So those, when we import those, those have to come on ships as well, don't they? They do. And, you know, we, we have the ability to responsibly mine the, the minerals and, and drill for the the fuel and in, in, in a way that's going to be uh, complementary to, you know, the environmental objectives that we have. Yep. So it, it shouldn't be positioned that you're going to create, you know, a catastrophe just drilling for your own minerals or your own oil because it could be done very responsibly as opposed to what yes. takes place in these other parts of the world. It's far from responsible. That's so, so, so well put, and I appreciate you, Lee, for uh, this fantastic article. Um, go to do, go to our website, and you can uh, you can see it. And it really opened my eyes. Some of those statistics that you're talking about are staggering, and what a wasted opportunity. Now, you and I both serve for Donald J. Trump, uh, and uh, I know you're close to the the Trump team and and the president as as I am too. Any chance that uh, if Trump is uh, reelected, as I think he will be, that you would consider going back into uh, his administration? Absolutely, Steve. With pleasure and honor, 
the yep. uh, the, the number forty five, which we hope to be forty seven, uh-huh. is a true, is a true patriot and, yep. and a world leader that we really need to get back into office to fix not only America but to fix the world. The world is yeah. on standby saying we need this guy. We need global so, leadership. Uh, yeah, it's well put. I mean, we have Ronald Reagan. Fast enough. Yeah, we had Reagan. And, you know, when we have great American leaders, the world does better. When we have weak leaders like we, we have with Trump, I mean, I'm sorry, with uh, Biden, uh, then the whole world goes, uh, you know, you need good global leadership. You need an advocate for pro-free market policies. Reagan was that. Trump was that. Uh, Calvin Coolidge was that. So we need that kind of leadership again. Uh, Lee, thank you so much. Please come back on the show again. Uh, that's Lee Rizzuto. Uh, uh, who's written a fantastic piece on our energy uh, security and also how we can keep our environment clean by producing more oil and gas here at home. Okay, folks, we're going to take a one-minute break or less, and then I will take your calls on who is the most and least underrated political figure in history. When I come back, I'll give my picks, and then I want to hear yours. That number to call if you want to uh, chide in 1-800-848-9222 1-800-848-WABC we'll be back in less than a minute it's more money with leading economist steve moore Stephen moore is with us economist with more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy he's leading economist steve moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC. Um, our question of the day, I'm going to start taking your callers, and we'll go through as many of them as we can. We, My producer, Kevin, tells me we still have two lines open, so please call in. I want to hear your opinions on this. Who is the most overrated and who is the most underrated political figures in history? It doesn't have to be an American. It doesn't have to be a president. Um, and I just, I can't wait to hear from your, um, from you all and your opinions on this. So I will give my opinion before I take your calls. I think that the most overrated, uh, in history would have to be Hmm. Barack Obama. (laughs) I think uh, he was a mediocre president at best and probably well below average. And yet uh, I see from some of these um, surveys by of historians that they rate him as a great president. He is not, 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 not a great president. It was a great thing that we had our first black president, but his performance was was very, very um, on balance poor, especially when it came to the economy. Um, And my I would say that the most underrated, this, these are tough questions, but I'm going to say the most underrated, and I wonder what you all think about this, would be Pope John Paul II, who really played such an enormous role in helping defeat uh, the evil empire of the Soviet Union. You know, he was Polish. He knew the evils of communism. I wish our current pope understood that. He seems to be a communist himself, Pope Francis. And so Pope John, John Paul was amazing. And he also celebrated the power of free markets and individual freedom. So he is one of my favorites and he should, he should be, uh, be treated almost as a saint. Okay, so Mr. Producer, let's start taking some calls. Which one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 is the phone number on the More Money Hotline. And who is our first caller? You've got Rick in Elmwood Park. 
Rick, okay, you're first up. Who is the most overrated political figure of all time? Well, I think you nailed it right on the head. Not only was Barack Obama a bad president, but uh-huh. he was a traitor just like anybody else who pushes the global warming scam, mm-hmm. which I wanted to tell you, everything they've told you about that is a lie. The earth is yep. historically cold right now. We live at the bottom of an ice age. It could be a little bit colder, but not a lot. But warmer is better. Warmer saves more lives, gives yep. us more food. It warmer is better. Okay, so who is your? who do you think is the most underrated of all time? Donald Trump and Donald Trump. Okay, ding, ding, ding. That's a good one. We got several. Uh, Are you going to vote for him? The the media downplayed everything good that he did and and painted him out to be, you know, some kind of a dictator, and he wasn't. It's great, great picks. I like I like both of those. By the way, many others have said uh, those two. So you you I think you're on to something, sir. All right, uh, the number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We have two open lines, and we've got about five minutes left. So there's time to call in and chime in. And uh, Mr. Producer Kevin, who is our next caller? We've got Walker in Paramus. Walker, who is the most overrated political figure in history? Like you said. Barack Obama is overrated. <laughs> Obama, okay, ding, ding, ding. There's another one. He is uh, of the of the people we've surveyed uh, previously. He comes out number one. I agree with you. I just think you know he he wasn't a terrible president, but he was a bad president, and he's treated as if he were um, a great president. He certainly was not that. Okay, who uh, Walter is your pick for the most underrated? I'm going to say Jimmy Carter. He saved wow. the world from wow. Three Mile Island. He saved Chrysler. He negotiated a truce between Egypt. And he got the stereotactic radio surgery. He, he did what? He, he had brain cancer. He went for the stereotactic yep. radio surgery. Yep. Dr. Yep. Bill Lederman, you know, and it, doctors don't, when you mention that to a doctor, they blanch. Oh, that doesn't work. So it's an interesting to- choice. And by the way, uh, th- thank you for calling. Good, good choice. Um, I was not a Jimmy Carter fan. I, I think, you know, God, I know God smiled on our country by the fact that Ronald Reagan was elected to replace Jimmy Carter. And we had the start of a 40 year surge in the economy. But Jimmy Carter, people forget when he ran for president in 1976, he ran as a fiscal conservative. And he tried to, to give him some credit. He tried to do things to limit government spending. He did deregulate in some important ways. He deregulated the oil and gas industry. He, at least he started it. Uh, but he was un- undone by his own his own party, the Democrats, who had moved so far to the left. I think we can squeeze in one or two more uh, if we have any more callers, Kevin. Yes, we have Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry, what do you got? Who's yeah. the most overrated? Steve, can I veer for one second? No, I no, no, no. We don't have time. I got to hear who's the most overrated. The most overrated European royalty. Okay. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. Okay. And who is the most underrated uh, president? I would say or, or, Lincoln. Or Abraham Lincoln. Those are really great choices. Okay. You got 30 seconds to tell me the other thing you wanted to tell me. All right. Just a quickie. Uh, yeah. I agree with you, control pollution, but... Pollution has nothing to do with climate change. And the next thing is, back in the 1950s, there was a movie, 
And the American general who was in charge of the occupation of Japan said, I'm going to teach these Japs about democracy if I have to kill every one of them. I think that's the model of the climate change people. All right. Good. Good point. OK, Kevin, can we squeeze in one more or do we have to take a break? We're done. All right. Well, folks, uh, thanks so much for the great calls today. I hope to see you. I will be on next week. I know it's Christmas weekend, but I will be on next week. I hope you'll tune in. Have a great, great, great Christmas week. Happy holidays. And uh, love your neighbor. And love this great country of ours. This is Steve Moore, More Money Show. And we will be right back.